You're listening to Back to the Light with J.D. Rieger, Shadow of a Shadow. Welcome to yet another episode of Back to the Light. I am J.D. Rieger. This is a big week for Back to the Light as a team. The Loose Opinions album is finally coming out, and we've got some live events in Memphis on the books to celebrate. Unfortunately, the resurgence of COVID has forced us to alter our plans slightly. More on that at the break. My guest this week is the creative force behind Loose Opinions and a frequent collaborator on Back to the Light projects. He's a veteran of numerous Memphis bands, as you'll hear in the interview. The debut Loose Opinions album Shadow of a Shadow is out this Friday, August 20, on Back to the Light Records. You can find it at looseopinions.com, backtothelight.net, or all streaming outlets. So let's get started. Here's part one, ooh, a little teaser, of my conversation with Graham Burks. I was trying to think back. I guess it was 1997 or 98 when we met, when we played together at a show at Spirit, Mind, and Body. Do you remember that? I, I do. I was trying to remember which of my many band incarnations I was in back then that might have played with you. I'm, I know that Aaron Brain was in the band. So. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was Perpetual Motion Machine. Okay. Yeah, I was I was going to guess that or Chinook. Um Oh, maybe it was Chinook. That's another one. That's one that I forgot. <laughs> I've got a yeah. list that we're going to go through later. Cool. Yeah, that was definitely in the sort of like period of my life where I was, you know, been playing in a lot of punk bands up until that time and then I was starting to sort of make weird music and it definitely would have been like Chinook or perpetual motion machine in that spirit, mind and body shop era. But yeah, you were in the Henry's and, uh, I was starting to get to know kind of, I think, um, I don't know, your scene, I'd say like, you know, the people that kind of went on to be in the makeshift circle of bands, I was starting to get plugged in with you guys around that time. How did you get into music originally? Did you have a musical family or did you just get into it, you know, just organically? Uh, yeah, let's see. I Music's always been part of my life. Music's always been like uh, just a thing that my family was into. My dad had like a massive record collection. So I just remember my earliest memories as a kid was just like flipping through his records and probably uh, falling in love with records based on the art more than like the music itself. Um, he had a lot of Beatles records. And so, you know, records like Sgt. Pepper would draw me in as a kid. Um, he also had like a lot of soul music. He had a, actually a pretty cool record collection. Um, so, you know, getting into my dad's records as a kid, um, eventually I kind of started getting into my own music. I think maybe um, I picked up Prince's Purple Rain record when I was 10 when it came out, you know, and, uh, um, had friends, you know, friends, big brothers who had Columbia house tape collections. So just getting into like finding my own music. Um, I think when I started skating, um, you know, 
uh, skateboard sort of scene comes with like punk rock. And I, I pretty much discovered like the sex pistols and the clash through my friends. Um, so I might've been like 12 or 13 by the time I started really kind of like being into my own music. So it was like being into the music before I was really playing the music. Um, when did you start playing? Yeah. Yeah, man. I started playing music when I was 13 and I think, uh, like my childhood friend C Mooney and I used to skate a lot and we were getting into the sex pistols and the clash. And then like eventually, um, American punk music. I think that like the big one for me was black flag. I mean, we were into the misfits and stuff like that. Um, and at some point we just said, Hey, let's start a band, even though we didn't know how to play instruments. Um, I had, uh, some instruments in my attic that I'd probably gotten when I was 10 years old that, you know, we, we thought we'd play for a month or two and then they ended up in the attic. Um, and so I think when we were 13, we pulled all the instruments down from the attic one night and didn't know how to tune a guitar. So we went up to the music store and bought all E strings and tuned them all to the same notes. So we could just bar the bar, the chords and started picking out sex pistol songs and went from there. Um, my first band when I was a kid was called manufactured emotions <laughs> and it was, uh, me and C Mooney and my brother, Justin Burks and, um, you know, some, some close friends at the time, Lee Huff, Nikki gotten. Um, and we just started playing in our garage, started playing birthday parties. Um, you know, I, I think it progressed pretty quickly. Um, I discovered like the, like there was an actual music scene here in Memphis. There were bands that were playing the antenna club, uh, I kind of fell into like straight edge hardcore, you know, writing X's on our hands. And, um, I guess that's really easy when you're 13 to say, I don't drink or do drugs, but, uh, yeah, we fell into sort of the straight edge hardcore scene, um, which was pretty cool. It was, um, you know, it kind of transcended like our neighborhood. Like it, it was not long after getting into all that, that I had friends all over Memphis. I mean, there was like a midtown sort of straight edge, hardcore slash skateboard scene. I remember playing a, um, like a skate party at Dory Schwartz's dad's electrical company, Schwartz electrical in, in Midtown and Paul Taylor's band clear and aware and my band sudden awareness, <laughs> uh, both played on that loading dock. So that was kind of, you know, maybe a year or two playing these kind of like skateboard parties before we ended up playing all ages shows at the antenna club, which was just so cool to go from like, you know, birthday parties and, uh, and, and skating with your friends. to so like playing actual shows in an actual club. So yeah. Tell me about the antenna years. Was that in small room or was that something else? Uh, yeah. Small room was, Small Room, yeah, I played the Antenna Club a lot with Small Room, but that was many years later. I would say I started playing the Antenna Club in 1989, and Small Room was was playing there kind of like right before it closed in 92, 93. Um, in 1989, it was still like, you know, I was probably 15 years old, having to have my parents drop me off for gigs. Um but all age shows would start at seven o'clock and it was usually some kind of touring 
uh, punk band. And then we would have like uh, kind of a, a bunch of local bands that we would play with a lot. Uh, One Way went on to be this band called Raid. And it was all, you know, vegetarian slash vegan slash straight edge kind of punk bands. Um, yeah. So should we go through the list here? Because we've crossed paths under so many different incarnations. So maybe we'll go through these and maybe you can just say a couple of words about, you know, who, who was in these bands with you, what the band sounded like, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Shoot. All right. So we'll start at the top. Sweet Knives. Oh, Sweet Knives. That was, that was somewhat recent. I feel like that's what I was up to before the pandemic. Um, Leisha Trout and I had been sort of jamming together. I actually started playing in um, Alicia Pop before I jumped into Sweet Knives. Um, you know, she's she's into synthesizers and I'm into synthesizers and we both kind of play rock and roll. And um, I think I'd maybe asked her to uh, guest on an Infinity Stairs track. Infinity Stairs was my electronic music project. And I was starting to do collaborations with different people. And Alicia came over once and we uh, made some cool music that nobody's heard yet. And, uh, she asked me to come over and play with Alicia pop and, um, sweet knives is pretty much just a touring band. And so they were gearing up for a summer tour and looking for a synth player. And I was already kind of playing synth with Alicia pop. So that was a easy fit for me, but that was a lot of fun. You know, I ended up, uh, learning a bunch of lost sound songs, which was an honor, you know, a thrill. Um, trying to figure out how I was going to take my keyboard on the road and, and uh, play it in a rock and roll band like that. It was just like a lot of fun bringing out my uh, guitar amp and plugging in a, a synth through a guitar amp in a, you know, random club night after night that I really kind of like figured out how to, fit synthesizer into the into the mix with a bunch of rock and roll music that was you know a real learning experience for me all right so we kind of got a twofer there because you covered infinity stairs also in that answer so <laughs> moving on down the list we'll say next perfect vessels yeah perfect vessels was uh you know we we were on makeshift i think you had a lot to do with um helping us put a record out in the 2010s on makeshift um memphis had a really kind of I, I think like a lot of shows were happening at the high tone the original location of the high tone back then and just a really vibrant music scene you guys were doing the uh rock for love concerts every year and you just like look at the lineup of of rock for love to know like what was happening back then uh pez was playing a lot but like snow globe um J.D. Rieger and the Cold-Blooded Three. I loved all those those makeshift bands, um, Coach and Four. So I think Perfect Vessels was our entry into that sort of era of Memphis music. It was I was playing music with a lot of my sort of lifelong musical friends who are still in my orbit today. Uh, my brother, Justin, was the drummer in Perfect Vessels. David Bell, uh, one of my oldest friends, is uh, was the bass player slash co-songwriter in that band aaron brain was playing with us um david and aaron are actually in loose opinions right now all right next on the list is one that we have in common actually you and i were both members of pez 
Yeah, that's a, that's a not very exclusive club here in Memphis. They've they've had a lot of uh, a lot of members come through the lineup with Pez. Um, yeah, I already talked about it. C Mooney and I um, you know, used to skate together before we used to play punk rock together, and we got into uh, music together. Um, I remember skating in C's Cove. We had just obtained a uh, a zine from Marv Stockwell's. Um, sort of label slash um, zine. It was called Truant. Um, and uh, also picked up the Sobering Consequences 7-inch. Sobering was a, a punk band. They were they lived in Germantown where I lived. And I just, you know, our minds were blown that like these guys that, um, you know, whose big brothers we knew were in this band that could actually put out a record. Um, so it just made it made playing music so much more um, sort of seem obtainable. And um, so, you know, Marv, Marv was there for the inspiration early on to, to make us kind of take rock and roll seriously. And, uh, and C was there in my first band. Um, we kind of took our own paths, you know, Ceylon started Pez like probably as his second band that he was ever in. And they, they were probably together for 15 or 20 years before I moved back to Memphis. And um, I think we were playing an Antenna reunion show. Um, I had gotten back together with uh, one of my bands of the time, Recoil. And uh, C was in the crowd and watched watch Recoil play and kind of realized that I was still at it on drums. And he had been, um, he had years ago moved from playing guitar in Pez to being the drummer. And I think he was looking for a way to get back on guitar being, you know, one of the primary songwriters in Pez, I think he wanted to get out front and, and play some guitar on his next batch of songs. And so he asked me to join the band, which just seemed like such a perfect fit, being that, you know, we had kind of started uh, music together and that Marv was there uh, sort of as an inspiration in the early days. And, uh, you know, Ceylon recruited me, but I would say that Marvin and I became really close friends during that time. We were kind of like, a pair in, in Pez at every practice, you know, I think like, uh, the two of us would talk about life and just, uh, really enjoy getting to know Marvin as part of the Pez experience. So small room, we mentioned earlier, perpetual motion machine. We got, you just mentioned recoil. You reminded me of Chinook. You played drums briefly with Harlan T. Bobo, I think, but we don't have to get into that a lot. Uh, let's see. We're just going down the list. What about mama honey? Weren't you in that band? Yeah, you know, uh, that band is awesome. Mama Honey, if, if y'all haven't seen Mama Honey, uh, I think you're going to get some chances now um, that live music is trying to eke its way back out. Um, I actually played a show um, drumming for Jeremy Scott, um, and we played a show with uh, Marshall Sanchez's band, uh, Mars Hall, um, a few months before the pandemic. And Fields Falcone was playing... Um, and Mars's band and, um, and mama honey was on that bill as well. And fields is in mama honey. And so, um, I just felt like when I was watching them play that it was like my favorite band in town at the moment. And this would have been like late 2019. Um, and a month or two later, we figured out that I figured out that they were looking for a drummer. I think they had parted ways with their drummer briefly. And, um, I reached out to fields and said, you know, I'd love to play with y'all. And we sort of jammed together and it, it really gelled. Um, 
this would have been in Jan. I think I joined the band in January, 2020 and a lot happened in like two short months. Um, you know, I kind of rehearsed with them enough to learn their set. We played two or three shows in those two months. And we even recorded an EP with Steve Selvage. And um, then the pandemic hit and we were all just being really cautious. I think we tried, we, we tried to have some practices. We practiced in my garage once with the door open and the police came. So it's just, you know, it wasn't working out. And we kind of went on hiatus with the pandemic. And then in the meantime, I, uh, this loose opinions album came together. So I sort of decided as, um, music was coming back that I was going to have to, um, sort of pursue the loose opinions thing. Um, I'm really happy to see that, uh, mama honey's playing again too. their original lineups back together. So y'all got to check them out. Is there anything we left off the list? Um, Oh wait, the living room, was that a band you were in? I think that, I think that that was one, right? Yeah, man. Uh, I think like what you're hitting on is that like I've been in a lot of bands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I at some point I made an inventory uh, at some point. I mean, the living room was my brother, uh, Justin Fox Burks with, uh, you know, I've talked about him a couple of times, Aaron Brain and Kevin McCaslin. Um, we were playing the map room a lot. We might have played with with your band at some point at the map room back in the, like, I guess late nineties would have been when that was happening. I mean, I guess the point I would make about like this giant list of bands that I've been in is, is sort of like, I've never done music for my job. It's always been this, I wouldn't consider it a hobby. It's just sort of my art that I've made for myself. Um, I think there's a downside to that, which is like, um, you know, I've never like, I guess the seriousness with which I've pursued some of these things, um, hasn't, hasn't always been there. So, you know, I've, I've got like this gigantic list of bands that I've sort of like played with through the years. Um, some of them, we were serious enough to like put out albums, you know, perfect vessels. We took pretty seriously. We, um, got a great album that's out there. If anybody wants to find it, Pez, we were pretty serious about what was going on. Um, but I think that's where like loose opinions this time around, I was like, man, I've been doing this for a long time. I really want to like put this thing out. That's really representative of my art and kind of take it pretty seriously this time around, you know? So, um, it's still not my job. I, I kind of feel like I I'm still, um, able to be doing it for art's sake, but I'm also kind of like taking it pretty seriously this time, whatever that means. Time out. Before we get back to Graham Burks, I need to clarify the schedule for our Back to the Light live events this weekend. This Friday, August 20, the Back to the Light listening party and live conversation is on from 5 to 8 p.m. at the Memphis Listening Lab. We will be requiring proof of vaccination at the door and capping the audience at 50 people, first come, first served, so get there early. I'm sad to report, however, that the planned show later that night in the high-toned small room with myself, Arthur, and Glorious Abor has been canceled. But the Loose Opinions release show with Jack Oblivion and Marcella Simeon on Saturday, August 21st at DKDC is on. It's just been moved outdoors to the parking lot beside the restaurant, still starting at 8 p.m. Please, everyone, stay safe and stay healthy, and I'll see you in Memphis soon.
As always, to support me and the show, visit patreon.com slash jdreger. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash j-d-r-e-a-g-e-r. For updates on everything, visit backtothelight.net. And now, the ad. All right, so I'm going to play a song that I actually poached for my electronic music project. Um, Before I started Loose Opinions, I was playing out as Infinity Stairs, and I had this sort of live loop show where I could play all the instruments and spin a bunch of plates and build up a song. And uh, this was one of them that I stole and sort of wrote lyrics to and is now on the new Loose Opinions album. It's called On the Plains of Hesitation. I'll be playing drum machine and I have a little guitar loop pedal and some looped vocals. So here we go.
just heard Graham Burks from Loose Opinions performing the song On the Plains of Hesitation live from his home studio. Now let's get back to our conversation. Tell me a little bit about what it's like being a father. I know you have two very creative sons and uh, one, one of whom is active in the music scene at like what, age 12 or something. So is that something you pass down to your kids intentionally? Yeah. Um, I would say that, um, you know, they just grew up around all of this. I've, I've, um, as long as they've been alive, obviously like, you know, music has been around them. I would say that their interest in music started first from like, just me playing music around them. Like, like, having a CD player on their bedside table when they were kids and rocking them to bed with like flaming lips records. So, um, you know, exposing them to my music was sort of like, uh, the first step at, at some point, my son, Graham, the third G three, as he's known, uh, started playing four, four beats with his, um, fork and knife, you know, at the, at the table, probably like on his high chair when he was a baby, he started tapping out four, four beats. So, um, I got him a drum set when he was 18 months old and, uh, he, he quickly learned to play it. I mean, I had like, um, the shortest little drum stool and I had little, uh, uh, a little brick of some sort taped to the kick drum pedal so he could reach it. But he, he started playing music at a really young age. I mean, um, you know, we were talking about, uh, your rock for love, uh, festivals that you would throw, uh, back in those days. We, we played a show when he was three years old um, at rock for love up on one of the stages, uh, me and him as a two piece. And, uh, we, we covered like the clash. Should I stay or should I go? And I remember one of the early things was like, we put that video up on YouTube and the clash found it and retweeted it. And he like blew up for a minute on, on YouTube, which we all kind of thought was funny. Um, but yeah, he's, he's taken his music pretty seriously. Um, he started playing in a band called Triceratops when he was four and, uh, they would play, uh, like at the fundraiser for their preschool. And, um, he later formed a band, uh, called the Becomers, um, which really like, uh, the Becomers are awesome. It's like this nine-year-old kid and G3 is 12 and this 14-year-old girl. And they, they play real gigs. They play all, all around town. Um, and he's currently at Stax Music Academy, which is just like one of the greatest places on earth. Um, currently taking like a music production class in the studio at Stax and learning how to record himself in, in the studio. Um, Fox is Fox is coming up in his footsteps. Fox is uh, Burks is is awesome. He uh, he's drumming right now and he is coding video games. He wants to be a video game designer when he grows up. So it's. Uh, you know, it's kind of fun for me being a, uh, a father to creative kids. I kind of feel like family time is also kind of like, uh, you know, fun time for me too. I'm, I'm making music with them and doing fun, creative things, uh, that I'd probably be doing on my own anyway. I know you're a multi-instrumentalist and so is G3. So how many instruments is G3 better than you on currently? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Let's see. I never really learned how to play piano the right way. I, uh, you know, for, for having an electronic music 
project that like the keyboard is kind of the primary instrument on and for touring with sweet knives i'm i'm sort of a hack when it comes to piano he he grew up with piano as his first instrument and he's he's awesome at it so definitely on piano um his drum instructor at stacks michael todd has taken him to the next level on drums and um you might have you, you could probably have made a case before that that he was a better drummer than me. Um, but definitely now he he knows things that look like voodoo to me. He knows these paradiddle diddles and things like that that um, I have no idea what's going on with his sticking patterns these days. Uh, definitely surpassing me on the drums. Do you feel like there's any chance that you could get jealous at some point? Like if your son starts to get better gigs than you or, you know, his band blows up <laughs> bigger than your band. No chance of, uh, you know, any uh, family infighting or rivalries over whose career is going better down the road. Uh, oh, no. If uh, my, my, my career is is um, is what it is. I'm I'm doing this stuff for fun. Um, it, you know, if you ask him what he wants to do when he grows up, he says he wants to be an engineer. Um, I think he does believe that um, music can open doors for him and um, that he'll make whatever can happen happen. Um, I would, you know, I'd, I'd just be proud of anything he does. I'm not going to be like some kind of, um, you know, football dad that is like pressuring my son to do um, <laughs> something that I, I want to like live vicariously through him. I'm, I'm uh, leaving that up to him. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm, I, I could ever see myself being jealous of his success. I'll just cheer him on. There's a whole lot more that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about working with Jeremy Scott, your Back to the Light label mate, on his new record. And, of course, I want to dig into the Loose Opinions record. But I think we're going to save that for our in-person conversation at the Memphis Listening Lab this Friday. Yeah, man, I can't wait for it. I uh, went to one of their first listening parties last week. Snow Globe um, had a party to listen to their uh, recent re-release on Black and White Records, and it was such a treat. Uh, they've got this world-class listening room that's like designed to be acoustically perfect, and it's got these Eggleston Works speakers that are, um, you know, taller than taller than any person in the room. Um, it just sounds amazing in there. So it's going to be a real treat to get to hear my record in that, um, in that listening room environment. Yeah. I can't wait to see you in person. I can't wait to listen to the record in that room and we will pick up our conversation then. Awesome, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Let's close the show with the extended version of the title track of the loose opinions record out this Friday. This is shadow of a shadow.
That's the show. Thank you to Graham Burks and Loose Opinions. Thank you to Arthur with two H's for the opening theme. Thank you to Joey Pegram for the closing theme. Thank you for listening, as always. For music, news, and episode archives, visit backtothelight.net. And until next time, take care, y'all. Back to the Light podcast network at backtothelight.net.